I start and I calculate when I'm going to do what for the entire season in January, when I'm planting my spring garden and my spring plantings, I'm also planting my summer plantings and I'm also planting my fall plantings. So every week on Sunday, I look at the calendar that I've created for the year and it shows me what I'm supposed to do that week. Wow. So in yeah. the middle of July, it says indoor, sow broccoli seeds. And mm -hmm. so that's just something that I make time to do that week because I know that's when I need to do it. And so I know that sounds simple, but already having the date set, knowing that this is when it needs to be done, it makes it so much easier to fit into my schedule. Mm -hmm. And I also know going in that, yes, this is really hard to fit in with all the harvesting and preserving and goodness, keeping our crops alive in the middle of the summer. But I know <laughs> that it's going to be worth it. This yeah. little bit, it's like a sprint. Like I can, I can do this. If I just get further along, it'll be totally worth it. So I, I, I see the end. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Hey, everybody. It's me, Lacey. I could not be more excited to be here today with Jill McSheehy of the, the Beginner's Garden or Journey with Jill. I'm really excited to talk to her. A lot of you have asked us about doing fall garden stuff, which it's that time, right? It's time for us to start planting those seeds and, and being ready. And it can be hard to imagine in August going out to the garden to start something new. <laughs> but we're going to talk about it. We're going to help you kind of hone in on how to make the most of your fall garden. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to Jill and give her a chance to tell us her story. I'm really excited to learn about her. She's a really great podcast. She has amazing resources on her website. We'll talk more about those later. She has a, a secret that she's going to reveal to you all a little later in the show as well. But before we do that, Jill, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit and just kind of giving us your backstory with how you even got started with gardening? What, what made you jump into that? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because my mom was a gardener, but I wanted nothing to do with it as a <laughs> child, an adult, a young adult. Adult. But when I was in my early thirties, I was working a full-time job with two kids and I just felt like I needed to be home. And so my husband and I, well, mainly him, but we worked to being able to get to a point where I could be home with them. And I got into couponing and all these things to save money, to do my part, to be a stay-at-home mom. And part of that was gardening. I thought, well, you know what? I can save money on the groceries if I can grow my own food. And so that's what I set out to do. And this was in the beginning of 2013. And I really thought nothing of it. I thought I'd just grow my own food. And the more I got into it, the more I fell in love with it. And back then I really had a hard time finding resources at a beginner's level. I just felt like what I found was either like a sophomore level, not a freshman <laughs> level. Like I didn't, <laughs> yeah. it was based on climates that didn't apply to me. I'm a Southern gardener. And so a lot of the stuff I was finding back then really was more like for, for shorter seasons, for Northern gardeners, they never talked about how heat is a big deal and how that can really affect your garden. So all of that to say back then, I didn't have a lot of access to things that I think could have made things easier for me. Mm -hmm. And so as I got more into gardening, I just really wanted to teach people who were just like me, who wanted to grow their own food, but I wanted to help 
it be a less steep of a learning curve as it was for me. So that's kind of how my journey is. And here I am nine seasons later. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you're right. I think that especially it's, it's come a long way in the last five years. And even in the last two years, I feel like now resources abound, but um, it, it wasn't for a long time. It was kind of like, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, figuring it all out, especially if you weren't raised by people who were gardeners or like my family is from the North. So gardening here is very different than it was when I was a kid, although my family never gardened when I was a kid. So it's a new thing, but yeah, I mean, I think that's very observant of you. And, and now, I mean, people are very lucky and fortunate to have the tools that you've put together in order to get started in a really easy way. So I love that so much. Okay. So then let's talk a little bit about your gardening. Like what are your goals for your garden? Have you really gotten to a place where you have eliminated the need of a grocery store? Or are you just trying to kind of offset that? Do you do a lot of preservation? What are, what are your goals or, you know, your huge motivation for doing the garden now? Well, my Number one motivation is the same as it was before. I want to grow as much as I can not to have to go to the grocery store. And even though we're in a different place now where the grocery budget isn't necessarily as dependent on it as it used to be, Mm -hmm. there is still, I mean, the the cost of food prices in general are going up. And I also feel like in many ways, I mean, there's just a, a, a joy of growing your own food and I just kind of trained myself so much to never have to buy this or that at the grocery store to where I just can't fathom buying a tomato at the grocery store. So my jokes with me because I just won't buy it in the off season. So yes, I do preserve all of my tomato products for the entire year. Most of certain vegetables, herbs, fruit that we are able to grow it's either, you know, preserved for the whole year or a lot of times, unless it's a staple food, like avocado or something that I can't grow. I'm not buying it off season. So we're just trying to, I'm trying to produce as much as I can from the garden. So that's really the number one goal. But Mm -hmm. since then, I think I've morphed a little bit more to, to making the garden be a place of refuge, especially just where we are in our current day Mm and mental health and all of that. I've been less focused on, let's see how much production I can get, even though that's still a focus, but I'm also bringing the element to it of, I want this to be a hobby that I enjoy and that serves me and helps me become a more whole person. So that's kind of been more of an evolution just in the last couple of years with my gardening. I love that. And I think it's such good advice for people just getting started is, and and we try to share this with people, like don't, don't set up seven garden beds, start with one garden bed, right? Like it feels overwhelming. And if it feels overwhelming, it's just not a joy anymore, right? It's no longer a part. You're no longer a part of the process. You're just like a a worker bee and you need to, you need to set those goals of like, how can I enjoy this also? (laughs) And that is possible, right? It is possible. Okay. So you've talked about tomatoes. I'm going to, since we're moving into fall, we're going to talk about fall gardening, but I also want to talk about you know, we're in that season where preservation is sort of like, that's what has to happen right now. And it can be hard to preserve and also start something in the garden, right? You're like, uh, I don't have time for that. Um, so I'm curious what some of your favorite methods for preserving those tomatoes or anything else you have coming in right now. What do you, what do you do the most? I mainly do tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce, tomato paste, those things. And my shortcut is I use a KitchenAid fruit and vegetable strainer attachment to my KitchenAid mixer. Mm -hmm. And it makes it where I don't have to boil and blanch and peel my tomatoes and for both for all of those products. And so I just put the tomato in the hopper and it spits out the sauce. And now I have to cook it down for several hours. But as far as hand on time, Mm -hmm. that 
been a game changer for all of my tomato recipes that that can be preserved in sauce form. Now, when it comes to like salsas and stewed tomatoes and things like that, that have chunks of tomatoes, I've started grilling them instead of blanching them. I just hate blanching and peeling. That's oh, just, it's I just hate it. Especially when it's hot outside, the last thing you want to do is blanch a tomato. (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) So that's kind of a shortcut for that. But I will say that in my climate, my tomato harvest is in July. So Mm -hmm. I haven't been having to preserve tomatoes for a couple of weeks now, but for pretty much four to five weeks in, in July, in the beginning of August, that's that's my focus is I'm swimming in tomatoes and then I can then I get it out of the way for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. All right. Well, so let's go ahead and move into just fall gardening because I think that, you know, it can be a little overwhelming, especially for beginners when they're like, um, I just got the other garden to work and now you're telling me I'm supposed to start over again and it's hot and I don't want to be outside. Um, I think that it can be something that we turn into a chore, but like, how can we add joy to it as we talk about it? But what are your, some of the tips and things that come to mind, the activities that you're doing to prep your fall garden right now? I think the biggest thing for me comes in the planning that is done in January. Mm. So what I do, and it's something that I teach my students in my dream to garden online course, but also you could do this um, through any garden planner is I start and I calculate when I'm going to do what for the entire season in January, when I'm planning Mm -hmm. my spring garden and my spring plantings, I'm also planning my summer plantings and I'm also planning my fall plantings. So every week on Sunday, I look at the calendar that I've created for the year and it shows me what I'm supposed to do that week. So in the middle of July, it says indoor, sow broccoli seeds. And so that's just something that I make time to do that week because I know that's when I need to do it. And so I know that sounds simple, but already having the date set, knowing that this is when it needs to be done, it makes it so much easier to fit into my schedule. Mm -hmm. And I also know going in that, yes, this is really hard to fit in with all the harvesting and preserving and goodness, keeping our crops alive in the middle of the summer. But I know (laughs) that it's going to be worth it. This little bit, it's like a sprint. Like I can, I can do this. If I just get further along, it'll be totally worth it. So I, I, I see the end, whereas a beginning gardener would be like, what's the point? I see that the fall garden will be enjoyable and it will be worth it. Right. Right. And I think what you said there, I just, Drew and I were talking about this and the cycle of the year and how, if we can sort of make ourselves and our bodies kind of, and our work and all the things that we need to do, be a part of that same cycle instead of, instead of, I I think we often feel, and this can be what it feels like in the middle of the summer when sort of the harvest is over is like, okay, well, I did that. Now I'm done for the year and on to the next thing and moving in a linear, like onward and forward and all of those things. But when we just look at this circle and we become a part of that and create this rhythm, I think it makes it so much easier. And I love the idea of having, you know, that week in July is already, we already know what it is, right? We already know like, okay, well, maybe I don't plan my vacation for that week, right? Because I know I'm going to have to be doing something. And it helps you kind of have parameters. And something that we talk about in gardening and like permaculture design, that kind of thing is edges and defining your edges. And when you have defined those times, you really have defined the edges and then you can fill in around it. And I think that it's liberating. It feels like a constraint, but it really is liberating. I love that. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that planner is something you start in January and then come July, you know, the activities you have to do come August. Now, would you say that there's something for almost every week that you really need to be doing right now? Right now, it kind of has been, 
you know, probably every other week, there's been something from the middle of July, you know, through August, maybe not every week, but, but there's gotta be some flexibility too. Like this week I'm, we're in the end of August. I'm scheduled to plant my carrot seeds. Well, it's a hundred degrees outside. There's no way I can keep them watered enough. So Mm -hmm. I've got to wait till that hundred degrees abates a little bit, which probably won't come till next week. So Mm -hmm. I'll just have to push that task till next week. So, um, but that to answer your question, there's usually something small. And that's what in my mind, I don't like to plan a whole bunch of stuff in one fell swoop because I get overwhelmed. So I will like say direct sow carrots this week and indoor sow lettuce next week, you know, that kind of thing, just to be able to split it up a little bit and it makes it more manageable. Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, that just makes it part of like your weekly routine, right? You have to do laundry, you have to make dinners, you have to take your kids to whatever. And then this is just a part of that same, that same life process. So I love it. Okay. So what are some things you do to prep your beds moving from summer into this new fall season? Yeah. I think the most, the, the most beneficial thing that I do getting ready to plant my fall crops is add an additional layer of compost. I'm not sure what your growing season is, but I figure yours is very similar to mine where I'm pretty much growing in my garden. I mean, almost year round, there are some some months like December and January that not a whole lot is growing, but all that to say, there's a lot being taken from my garden. Whereas if you have a short season climate, you could probably get away with maybe one application of compost a year, but I'm growing in many of these beds, three different crops, at least in the same bed. And so they need more nutrition. So I will do a layer of compost. And in general, that's pretty much what I do. Now, if I already have like wood chip mulch on the top of that bed, I'll scrape the wood chip mulch off, add the compost, put it back on because I don't want to plant in wood chip mulch. And so that's something that I'll do in those areas. But for the most part, adding compost before planting is is the primary thing that I do to prep those beds. Yeah. So now that brings up the question of what kind of compost, do you have any tips on getting good compost? I mean, we've had all kinds of great compost down to like, this doesn't seem to have anything in it kind of compost. So do you have any recommendations there, things to look for? Well, I use, I use my own compost that I create. However, I'm a lazy composter and it doesn't get hot enough to kill the seeds. And so I don't use that in general to prep a bed that I'm getting ready to sow seeds for, because I know I'll have a lots of seeds and not just <laughs> one. So I supplement that with bulk compost that I get from my local landscaping company. And I tried that one, one year and tested it and everything grew like it was on steroids. I mean, it was incredible. And so that's pretty much what I do now is I use that bulk compost in areas when I'm just starting to seed some of the crops. And then I use my home homemade compost, usually like at the end of the year before, you know, to let it break down, continue to break down over the winter time, or I'll use it as a side dressing. Mm -hmm. But for the fall garden, a lot of times that bulk compost is the key for me when I'm preparing those beds. Okay. That's great. All right. So then we're going to talk about seed saving and seed selection. Do you save your seeds from the summer crops? Do you then, uh, or do you prefer to buy seed from somewhere else? What does it look like for you in terms of kind of finding seeds and starting seeds this time of year? Cause it can be a little harder to source right now than it is say in January. Yeah, I do seed save, but I do it selectively. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always seed saving my okra because I, I plant one variety of okra and I've been saving seeds from that since 2013 when I started. And so I just 
free okra every year at that, at this point, but I may not, I don't ever save seeds of my squash and zucchini because I plant them at the same time and they would cross pollinate. And so I don't even worry about that. So it just depends on the crop, what I set, what I say, save and what I don't. Mm-hmm. And in general, I try to, if it's, if it's an heirloom and it's something I know hasn't been cross pollinated mm-hmm. and I have the ability, I'll save the seed. Mm-hmm. But if not, then I won't. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll buy from a trusted seed supplier. Right. Do you have any that you'd be willing to share? Yeah. My favorites, I actually buy from about four different ones, but mm-hmm. this past year I bought from Southern Exposure Seed Exchange because they mm-hmm. have great seeds for the South and for our unique climate. But I also like the variety at Territorial Seeds and Johnny's Seeds and uh, True Leaf Market has been another source that I've been using recently. I think there's a lot of great seed suppliers, but those are the ones that I tend to go to. Oh, Baker Creek and Seed Savers Exchange as well. Yeah, it can be kind of an addiction <laughs> looking through seed catalogs. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Southern Exposure is our t- number one too, but there are lots of other ones. So, okay, so then let's just talk about what your favorite things to actually plant in the fall are, because it's not, you know, people who are just starting out may not realize, okay, we're not going to start more tomatoes. We're not going to start more peppers. What are we going to start for fall? I love having fresh salads as long as possible. So Mm -hmm. that's probably the most enjoyable part of the fall garden is planting lettuce right now or soon. And then also getting into winter arugula is something that's going to last me all winter. Mustard greens is another thing that can last me all winter for salads. So any kind of the salad greens, I really enjoy. I also love carrots in the fall because if you can get them up, you can keep them irrigated in the heat of the summer and then get them to where they actually will, will form a root. Then you're at least in my climate, my outside is the refrigerator and I can just harvest them fresh all winter long because we don't get a lot of snow. So those are really fun to grow as well. And then I do like to sow spinach in usually October and I won't get a harvest before winter sets in, but it'll come back and grow in the beginning of, of the spring, the end of the winter when nothing else is growing. And then I get fresh spinach. So that has been fun as well. And Mm -hmm. then I do beets and broccoli, those broccoli cabbage, those are a little bit tougher to grow than the other ones that I mentioned, but when you get a harvest, it's really, really worth it. Yeah, I agree. I love a lot of those things. So when we're talking about growing in the fall, a lot of people use row covers and things like that. Do you use anything to cover your crops to kind of extend the season or to pre- protect from frost? What are your favorites to share a little bit about that for you? I do use floating row covers, but that's been kind of a complicated relationship because <laughs> the ones that I, when I need to use them, like for my broccoli, for instance, mm-hmm. my broccoli's too big. Like it's too tall. The the floating row covers are not tall enough for them. Right. So I do find that I've used the floating row covers more so just for smaller crops like the cabbage. But I found in my zone seven B climate that you know the carrots and the beets and everything else really hasn't needed covering. Lettuce can depending on the variety. Some of the lettuce are more tolerant than others, but I use it selectively, but I I don't have to depend on it like someone who's in a colder climate. Yes. Well, I'm wondering too, and I feel like this is something that we have yet to really explore because we don't use them either, but to how can we extend the season? I'm curious, like, is there, are there some ways that we can? And I mean, I think this just points to that. Like there's always room to learn more. (laughs) There's always room to kind of extend your understanding of what we can actually make happen. But it made me think about pests 
for you are probably similar to the pests that we're dealing with. I feel like pests right now are like loving the heat. They're like basking and taking over. But what are some things that you do for pests or maybe some specific pests that you deal with and how do you manage that? Well, I'm a very hands-off gardener when it comes to pests and I try not to spray as much as I can. Definitely nothing non-organic. The Mm -hmm. only spray that I will spray pretty regularly is if I need to spray BT for cabbage worms, I will, although I prefer to cover those crops as long as I can Mm -hmm. outgrow the cover. But really my pest management strategy is planting flowers to attract beneficial insects, having a place where birds want to be, where toads want to be. That means not spraying stuff that's going to kill them. Mm -hmm. And then also I have a really high tolerance. Like to me, the goal, and this may not be the the case for everyone, but for me, the goal is to have a living active ecosystem where the pest damage is going to be minimal or at least tolerable. And in some cases when it decimates a crop, I may reevaluate, but in, I'm more interested in the holistic part of my garden being healthy because Mm -hmm. there's nothing better than seeing a good insect that, you know, is preying on the bad ones (laughs) right? for you. I haven't sprayed for aphids in my garden ever because Mm -hmm. I've got beneficial insects that take care of them. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing that small part, I know that other beneficial insects can help. And and I just want to do everything I can to support that. And it's being lazy, quite honestly, (laughs) it's a lot of work. I think lazy can be transferred into the word smarter. Like that's what we're (laughs) right. I mean, I think the thing is like nature is so powerful and we can step out of the way a lot of times and let it figure things out. I mean, there's obviously I'm dealing with something on my, my, my brassicas right now that I need to just investigate a little bit more, but that does actually, I have a question now for you about flowers. So as you're planting your fall garden, I feel like summer flowers are so easy. Do you have any flowers that you're starting right now or the things that you're getting going or flowers that will last from your summer garden into your fall garden? You know, I haven't planted any new flowers. Um, I did plant a later planting of zinnias, which those are the ones that will, you know, just stay until frost. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like they attract some beneficial insects, but I don't really plant anything new at this point. I do let in the late spring, early summer, I will let some lettuces and arugula and some carrots or onions flower because they attract really good insects. I mean, having dill and fennel, they attract some good beneficial insects. Um, but I haven't, I don't really like plant specifically flowers in the fall like I do in the spring. Maybe that's something I should consider, but I just haven't yet. (laughs) Well, I was just cleaning up some beds today and I started thinking maybe I should start some more marigolds or maybe some more nasturtiums. I don't know how well they would do right now because it's so hot. So, and that is something that we've learned is that you actually putting seed in the ground, if it's too hot, it won't grow, right? It, ha- it waits for the right temperature, the right conditions to do its thing. So I think that that is just one of the neatest things about nature is we think, oh, we put it out there. It's wet. It's hot. It's going to grow, but that's not really always the case. So, so I love that. Okay. Well, so I want you to just share, if you don't mind, maybe a sneak peek into some of the things that you have coming up and the resources that you have to share with our listeners. They should know that you have an amazing podcast. You have a blog, you have really great tools for them. And you can, you can find all of that at journeywithjill.net, but Jill, give us a little insight as to what you offer that folks can take advantage of. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, in general, the dream to garden planning course is really the, what I focus on in the early part of the year. But until we get there, I've realized that there are some subjects that, that people really want to dive deep into. And so I think your listeners will be the first ones to hear about this. We're actually doing a live garlic planting workshop because 
fall is the time that we plant garlic. And depending on where you're located, I plant mine usually in late October, early November, but some people need to plant it in September and early October. So we're going to have a, a fall garlic workshop. Let me get that date on Thursday, September 23rd at 10 a.m. And it will be live and just really kind of a deep dive for anyone who has never planted garlic. We'll be talking about that. And then in October, we're going to have the garden jumpstart five-day challenge. We did this last October and it was so much fun. I think one of the things that I have found has been a huge key to garden success is really looking at what worked, what didn't, what Mm -hmm. dreams do I have? What do I need to research? What projects do I want to complete before next year? I think we forget that if we don't really analyze it and get it down. And so we'll be doing that in October and that will help us to be set up for a more successful 2022 garden season when we really have a chance to look back because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm looking at pictures in my garden in the spring and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, all the time. Yes. So help us to really focus on what do we want for 2022? And we're doing that while this year is still fresh on the mind. So that will be coming up in October as well. I love that. Yeah. And it reminds me too, that, you know, one of the best things I ever do, but I don't do it very consistently is to keep a journal of the actual garden and like taking notes of the plants that grew well and that kind of thing. It's just one of those things that can be really hard to, cause it doesn't feel like you're getting anything done, but when you can look back at that, it becomes like just, you, you know, your Holy grail of what can I do next? I'm so excited about your garlic workshop. I know a ton of people are so curious and I find garlic and onions to be probably the most satisfying thing that we grow because we love the flavor so much. We use them in every little, almost every single dinner. Um, and it's just really amazing to feel like, okay, I have everything except the olive oil, right? Like it's coming from maybe the, not the salt either, but you know, like we just have a lot of the herbs and everything. And so it can really feel empowering to create your own garlic. I mean, that's just great. I'm really excited. And I know a lot of people are curious about it. It feels like one of those things that it seems like a advanced gardening thing, but it's actually like not so difficult. So yeah, when you talk about lazy gardening, maybe the the more advanced gardening skills is just, it's just lazy. Just how do you garden lazy, right? <laughs> like well, I honestly think garlic is the easiest thing I grow and not because everybody hits a slam dunk every time they <laughs> they grow it, but because it's so hands-off, you plant it in the fall. And then for the most part, I really don't do much until harvest. And so somebody's wanting something easy. And like you said, we all use garlic so much in our cooking. And if you get a good enough harvest, then you're able to save it for planting next time. And then you don't have to buy garlic, not only at the grocery store, but even seed garlic from seed suppliers, if you don't want to, I mean, this year I'm not planning on it. I didn't do it last year. So I've just been able to be self-sufficient with my garlic for the past several years. And I think, and you don't have to have a small, a large space to do that. You can have a small space and, and achieve it. And to me, that makes it so much fun. Plus just seeing garlic growing in the end of the winter when nothing else is growing, just gives me satisfaction. Seeing that green. Yeah, I know. I agree. It really is. And I mean, the thing about garlic is it's good for so many things. It's good in your dinner. It's good for your health. It also is good at deterring pests from your garden. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that's so multifaceted and and really 
joy, I think, to, to grow. So take advantage of that workshop. I'm so excited that you shared that with us. Well, Jill, unless you can think of any other last minute tips to share with our listeners, I feel like we've given them enough to chew on and sort of swallow and maybe actually apply, but just encourage everyone, you know, do a little thing for fall. It doesn't have to be massive. You don't have to overdo your entire garden. Just maybe like Jill was mentioning, start some lettuce inside so you can have that through the fall and get your own fresh lettuce. But do you have any other last minute tips you want to share? Well, I would just say that if you're discouraged right now, like we all are, (laughs) (laughs) It's a discouraging time of year. For many of us, it's oppressively hot. Things are dying. Insects are crazy. Disease is crazy. And it's so it will, we will get past it. So I think planting something for the fall, you'll be glad that you got through that discouragement because there is encouragement on the other side of it. Just hang in there. Yeah. The heaviness will lift. And it really feels like that. All right, Jill, I do actually have one more question for you because I love asking our guests, what is something that you do for yourself to help keep yourself just feeling your best, some kind of self-care or, or ritual that you do that you enjoy? It probably depends on the season. Of course, in the off season, just going and working in the garden brings so much, but during the season, I have to get away from the garden. So it's it's kind of opposite, isn't it? (laughs) Right now I'm taking walks and just being outside in nature. Also making time for face-to-face chats with friends has been hugely beneficial for my mental health and staying off the news has been helpful lately. Um, you know, just things that I've realized lately that really make a difference in my overall uh, well-being are, I would say the walks and the chats with friends are, are very big. Oh, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Turn off the news. <laughs> anyway. All right, Jill, thank you so, so much for being on here. I cannot wait to share this with our listeners and everyone be sure to check out her podcast and connect with Jill and keep learning from her. Have a good one. Thank you so much.